Because the whole world gone crazy! Just please, go nuts. What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I mean, really, explore the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down there somewhere. Let me take another one. <laughs> I have one question for you. What? Already? What in God's holy name are you blathering about? <laughs> yeah, you're about to fucking find <laughs> out, dude. Welcome back to another episode Yet another episode Yet of Beautiful another. Animals Podcast. Boys and girls, lords and ladies out there, I hope you are fucking ready. Lords and ladies, hell yeah. I want some lords and ladies to listen to this podcast. If you're listening to this podcast, tell your friends, especially the ones who are lords and ladies. If you're listening to this podcast, you are a young fucking lord, dude. Oh, yeah. You're the fucking gentleman among the human population who actually get it, man. <laughs> get actually it, man. fucking listen. You lords and ladies out there are the real shit. Shit. You just gotta spread the word, man. Anyway, no, thank you so much for tuning back in. We yeah. really appreciate it. This is a labor of love. Yeah. Because we love you guys. We're going into labor just for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Happy Labor Day, by the way. <laughs> so uh, this is going out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to go into the labor of birthing our own internal gods. Are you ready for that shit? Oh, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. Am I ready for that shit? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> What we're doing right now. This is part three of Young. Yeah, where we left off, the end of part two, Carl Young doing this self-experiment of his, the self-experiment confronting his own subconscious, which I learned more about, is through a series of dreams and self-performed meditation and vision practices in his way of life. It's both, right? Which is kind of what I thought at the beginning, but then I was thinking it was all dreams. It's all those things. Yeah. He's pursuing an active imagination and trying to find real truths in it. And he's building on each fantasy and each vision experience every time he has one, like by then writing it all freaking down yeah. in these, in the like raw data journals called the black books and then going back through and kind of analyzing them. So when you read the red book, there's like this confrontation with a character and his, this dialogue that he physically experienced in these visions and then there's like his breakdown of what he thinks it's about right okay. after, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And, and then probably a breakdown of the breakdown you said, right? Yeah. Well, then then at the end okay. in the thing called scrutinies, which we'll get to, then there's the kind of how he puts it all together. So the first part that we went through last time, which is Libra Primus, that whole story, his encounter with Salome and Elijah and his crucifixion and all that crazy dramatic shit. Yeah. That's all an allegory, and that whole sequence doesn't have any of his breakdown of what's going on. Okay. So it's just happening, right? Uh, Yeah, it's just a narrative. Yeah, it's just a narrative all the way through. And as the reader, you're just like, what the fuck is this? Libra Segundus, which is what we're going to go through today, and then through two scrutinies, which is the end of the Red Book. Libra Segundus is a series of, each vision has that sort of breakdown after. Okay, so they re-summarize the vision. Yeah, Yeah, so he has this vision, which is... Primarily, there's visual stuff, and then it's this conversation that he's trying to have with whatever character he runs into. Mm -hmm. And then there's his breakdown of it after. So it's a little more user-friendly, the second half, but I will tell you, (laughs) it is very dense. (laughs) And it is very, well, what I, I mean, I'll I'll get to, I I figured out, I had an inspiration about it, but I'll tell you guys when I got there (laughs) that I had the inspiration. I'm just going to let you suffer with me for most of it. What we're going to go through today... (laughs) Is Libra Segundus, which is this long, these many, many fantasies that he had. After Libra Segundus, there's this part called Scrutinies, where he kind of develops an overarching sort of myth 
coming arising from Liber Segundus and those fantasies and his breakdown and analysis of those fantasies. And part of Scrutinies is this body of work that was actually released independently of Liber Novus during Jung's lifetime called The Seven Sermons to the Dead. And in the Red Book, the section called Scrutinies is The Seven Sermons to the Dead. It was originally written in the Red Book as Scrutinies and okay. he released it yeah. separately. So anyway. Seven Sermons for the Dead. Seven Sermons for the Dead. Pretty uh, badass metal band name right there. I'll tell you what. Yeah, dude. <laughs> or at least <laughs> an album title. <laughs> you gotta, that would be a sick album. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta like, oh, you know what? You should start a punk band called Abraxas. <laughs> Abraxas? What's yeah. that? <laughs> We're going to get to it. <laughs> if you start a punk band called Abraxas and then your first album can be Seven Sermons to the Dead. There we go. Dude. All right. All right. Let's do that. Anyway, so let's <laughs> let's jump right into it. So at the very end of Liber Primus, Young <laughs> is crucified and his blood gives Salome, who's like the vision of Eros in his subconscious, back her sight, making her like a now full and complete being. And then Elijah, who's like the uh, symbol of forethought, forethinking, also known as Logos, Logos, tells Young, all right, you've done what you needed to do. You're about to see a bunch more shit. Pay attention and (laughs) write everything down. So Libra Segundus is him writing everything down. His first vision that he has, basically the night after or the next vision after the Elijah Salome one, he finds himself standing on the parapet of a castle, right? So already we know this is like a totally different situation. He's gone through the sort of like rebirth he had to do with Elijah and Salome in the desert. Because remember, he spent like 35, 36 nights in the desert, in the wasteland, yeah. dealing with all that shit. Really, and all of that, he was really struggling with accepting his belief in, like, whether it was real or not. Right? Yeah. So he reached whatever pinnacle he needed to reach there, and he's able to now have, like, the deep dive. Yeah. <laughs> that was, like, scratching the surface. Now he's able to get in deep. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that it's a castle, because it's like, yeah. it wasn't he ran into Salome and uh, the other guy in, the, in, like, a hut or something, right? Yeah, they were just in a hut in yeah. the wasteland. And so, like, yeah. he's in the wasteland, there's, like, nothing, no yeah. de- like, nothing... Nothing and there. then he finds the hut, but yeah. then like now there's like that's what I'm saying. Now an establishment, like a, a, there's a structure. A, there's a castle, and it's surrounded by like a beautiful landscape, like yeah. rolling hills and a forest. And so he's like standing on the wall of this castle. He's clad in green armor. He's got a horn, and he sees in the distance like a red dot coming up this road through the forest. And he's watching, and the rider like approaches him, and it's this like guy garbed in all red. And they begin to have this conversation. And basically the guy in red is like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. Yeah. And Young is like, I'm here. Like, I'm the watcher on the wall. I'm the man in the high castle. Actually, it's not man in the high castle. That is a book by Philip K. Dick. Oh. It's man. In the, he says, I'm the man in the high tower. Okay. So he's standing there watching. The guy in the red comes up to him. And over the course of their conversation, the guy in the red is like, who the fuck are you? What are you doing here? Young's like, I'm just watching for what's coming. The guy in red is like, you're obviously not from around here. You're not a very fun guy. And, Young, <laughs> and Young's like, why should I be fun? Doing my job. Yeah. And he's the guy in red's like, don't you ever go dancing? Like, don't you ever have a good time? And Young's, and Young's like, basically like trying to figure out who the fuck the guy in red is. And it's funny because the guy in red's like, you're obviously not from around here. You aren't a creature of this realm. And Young's like, how do you know that? And they get into this weird like repartee where they're both trying to figure out who each other are without saying anything. Yeah. And then Young realizes the guy in red is the devil. Oh. And he's like, you're you're the devil. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? Don't like, you know how to have a good time? Exactly. Oh. And, and so like, then the guy in red goes from red to pink. 
Okay. And Young's clothes turn into leaves. Right. So he's all covered in green leaves. Kind of like Adam and Eve, I guess. Yeah, I it could be that. Or, uh, I don't know. Just something. When he's having a conversation with the devil, he says to the devil, You're kind of a Jew, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew he was going to be fucking. I knew he was going to start talking shit about Jews. And the devil says to him, What are you, an anti Semite? <laughs> this, when this uh, part of the Black Books is written. Yeah. Was around the time Young and Freud were having their split. Okay, and is Freud Jewish or is he? Freud called oh, Young an anti-Semite. Okay, yeah, Freud's yeah. Jewish. Okay, yeah, and so <laughs> that was like you can kind of see some of these like a lot of parallels. With, yeah, like, there's some of his real life definitely seeping into the yeah. unconscious. Like, so was the, he married? Yeah, he was married and yeah. he had kids. It's like yeah. I don't know what, what was his wife doing all time. <laughs> it's like was she was he like talking to her about it or was. Well, this is the thing that's yeah. so cool is he, he no, he didn't talk to her about it yeah, or yeah. to his kids about it. I don't, well, I don't know about his wife. I, it says in Libra Novus, his kids didn't know anything about it, Yeah, but he might've talked to his wife, but he lived a totally normal yeah. life and was progressing and pursuing in his psychoanalytic career during all this self, this whole self experiment. Yeah. He was just doing it all behind the scenes, which is pretty cool. So if he can do it, <laughs> we can do it <laughs> anyway. <laughs> do what? Get married and then had trip balls, but yeah, still a little bit. Uh, yeah, yes, yes. Get married and trip balls. You don't have to choose. <laughs> work hard, party hard. Work hard, party hard. You can do them both. You yeah. can live the perfect life. <laughs> anyway, so Young has this kind of confrontation with the devil, and the devil saying, "You got to have more fun with stuff." And Never Young, heard of rock and roll. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much, dude. And Young is like, "Like, no, you got to think about stuff more." Anyway, the what ends up happening is the devil becomes a little bit more serious because of young and yeah. young learns how to have a little bit more oh, of a good like time. A little, it's like a little buddy cop movie. Yeah. And in his breakdown, young's like, you got to encounter the devil and don't let him like hold you. Don't let him own you. Yeah. But you can learn how to like own your joy and yeah. own your devil. And then you can be a more whole person. Balance. Still you, being serious. It's all work about hard, play hard. Exactly. Yeah. You stand up there on the mountain long enough, but you got to go dancing sometimes. Everyone can have a little devil every now and then. It's a little treat. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, you know, he was a pretty religious person, like, before all this, so all of this symbolism ends up being pretty religious, yeah. but he doesn't just freak out when he sees the devil, he, like, yeah. learns how to kind of learn from him, get a little wisdom out of the deal. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's why he's there. He's there in his subconscious, to learn. down there to, like, try and get all this wisdom. Remember, he, Elijah, like, got pissed at him because yeah. he was, like, wanted it too much. He's got to realize, like, okay, I just got to go along with this. I'm going to go with that's it. That's how I yeah. get the most out of it. Exactly. So the next night he finds himself in the woods. So this is after the whole devil sequence. All that happens is they kind of end up being friends. Anyway, he's wandering through the woods and he sees a castle in a swamp. And he's like, okay, I'm going to check out this castle. He goes into the castle and there's like an old man in like a library. And he's like, he's like, what do you want? And Young's like, I'm really tired. I've been wandering through the woods like all night. I just want a place to sleep. And the guy's like, ah, fuck you. I don't really want to give you a place to sleep. And then (laughs) he's super grumpy. And then Young's like, come on, man. I'm like, I'm a weary traveler. Like, don't you know hospitality? Like, don't you know how to be a good dude? Oh, he's the devil now. Dude, we'll get there. (laughs) And then (laughs) the guy's like, ah, whatever. All right. And he like gets a servant to show Young to his bedroom. On the way over there, Young sees that there's a young woman like trapped in this other room. And like she's like calling to him or whatever. And Young realizes he's in like a crappy novel. He's like, oh, fuck, dude. (laughs) 
I'm the knight that's supposed to save this woman from her evil father. And he starts getting super pissed. He's like, he's like, I fucking did all this work in the desert. I talked to the goddamn devil. I fucking got crucified. I'm down here in my subconscious trying to learn some fucking wisdom. And I'm having a vision that's just like a shitty fucking pop novel. I gotta watch like, the fucking the Shrek fuck trilogy. Yeah. He's hella pissed. He's like, it reminded me of like. Because he's complaining, he's like, I've talked so much shit about these novels, now I'm forced <laughs> to fucking live one? What kind of <laughs> fucked up irony is this? <laughs> and it made me think about us, like, complaining about hope. I know for me, I started talking a lot of shit about the word hella. Oh, yeah. I started using it as a fucking joke. Oh, yeah. And now it's we, just part of my lexicon. I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Uh, this is what made yeah. me think of it. Was yeah. This, like, I, was, I was reading this fantasy at that time and how I used to like talk shit on dubstep and yeah. now I listen to dubstep. Yeah. God. Anyway. Now we used to make, and we used to make fun of people who are like, podcast. oh, we need to start a podcast. Yeah. Fuck, man. Be careful what you hate, dude. That's what I learned from this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> be careful what you make fun of. <laughs> You're doomed to be in it so young is having that same realization he's in a shitty novel <laughs> in his subconscious <laughs> he's super frustrated so he goes to the bedroom and he's trying to go to sleep but he's so pissed off about being in this thing being in a boring vision that he can't sleep <laughs> in his dream <laughs> the young woman ends up coming to his room she's like you gonna rescue me or not yeah, yeah exactly so like, you're gonna free me and he's like god you're so fucking boring he's <laughs> talking shit right to her face and she gets super offended she's like you're just like everybody else you come down here and <laughs> you talk about how boring this fantasy is she's like i thought you were different like what the fuck and he's uh, like what do you want from me what are you like and she's like just fucking read in a little bit of like depth into my character like why do you assume i'm fucking one-dimensional i'm not a regular princess i'm a cool princess yeah, i'm not like the other girl <laughs> anyway so he ends up having this whole interchange with this boring character and realizing that like if a character is boring it's actually just like you're boring because you can actually find depth and nuance and interesting things even in the everyday like fucking sanding drywall <laughs> sand. how many times are we talking about drywall? i'm never gonna not talk about drywall <laughs> But anyway, so he, he has this realization that, like, the mundane and the interesting are kind of are one, like, or you need to find that sort of balance between the mundane and yeah. the interesting. So you'll, you start to see this theme sort of appear where, like, in the previous vision, it's, like, joy and seriousness. He's got yeah. to sort of balance the two. And this one, it's, like, inane, boring things and interesting and deep wisdom. Yeah. He's got to kind of, he's got to end up bridging these opposites and kind of, like, filling the gap and expanding his mind to, like, take in both of these things at one time. So that's kind of that he he learns that like interesting things and boring things can be one in that vision. Yeah. And the next vision, he's like in the desert again, but it's a different desert. And there's these hermits out there that like worship the sun god Helios and they tell him to go pray. They're like, go over there, be alone, find some solitude. You have to do it alone and go pray to the sun god. And he's like, I don't want to pray to the sun god. That's pagan. And they're like, well, whatever. <laughs> Go do it. Uh, I'm not pagan. Yeah. He kind of talks shit. He's out there and he's saying to them, it's kind of funny because you were saying a minute ago, like he becomes Satan. So, or that he's acting like Satan in this dream. Those guys are like really serious about worshiping Helios and being alone while they do it. And Young goes over there and he's like, why don't you guys have a little fun sometimes? Like, why don't you guys go mix it up? Like, why are you always going to be alone? But he ends up going out into the desert, a different part of the desert, away from these guys. And he ends up spending some time out there and accidentally praying 
to Helios, the sun god, because he's like <laughs> looking at the desert and he has like this moment of inspiration and he's like filled with this feeling of divinity. He's like, oh, wow, the desert is so beautiful. The sun is so beautiful. Like, I'm going to say a prayer to the sun. And he like accidentally says a prayer to the sun. <laughs> nice. And then he's all upset about himself. And he's <laughs> like, how can I worship the multiplicity of the gods and the single god? And it's again, it's another one of those dynamics where there's like where he has to get this understanding of like the multitude and the oneness. Right. So it's another like seemingly opposite that he has to make one so <laughs> yeah and then the next dream he's like okay i want to get away from all these fucking characters he's like i i don't want to be near any of these people like, i'm trying to i'm trying to explore the subconscious i don't want to talk to anybody down here what the fuck so he uh the way he puts it he's like okay i went west and i was in the woods and then I went south and I found the desert. So then he goes north and he goes way north and way north into this like blackness. Or he goes north and it gets colder and colder and colder and darker and darker and darker. And up and there he finds like the coldness of death and he feels like he's going to die. And he's like, oh, this is a this is a terrible place. But he then he gains some appreciation for like all the people that were in the other part of the world that wasn't dead because he's like (laughs) trying to get away from everybody. And then it's like, oh, guess where? Nobody is death. That's where that is. (laughs) And like he had to wander into the realm of darkness and death in order to like appreciate the light of the sun and the hermits that were worshiping the sun from his previous vision. Worshiping hermits. Yep. So then he's like, okay, the only direction I haven't gone is east. I want to get away from everybody. I don't want to go to death, but I now appreciate life a little bit more. <laughs> so I'm going to go east. And again, this is another vision. He just like is able to kind of. Yeah. One thing that's super impressive to me is like he's able to go back. I think it's because he wrote everything down, read it, analyzed it. He's able to go back with all the previous knowledge. Like when I have a dream or a recurring dream, like I forget all my other dreams. Like I didn't oh, write yeah. them down. I don't remember. So was, you're not like walking back into the same thing. You're like, oh yeah, I was here. I went this way last time. Yeah. Let's go this way. You know, yeah, but he's yeah, able to come back into this vision or this like dream place and say, okay, I'm going to go a different direction. I'm going to explore something else. Yeah. In this moment, he decides to go east and he encounters this crazy mountain range. He goes up over the top of the mountain range and when he gets to the top, he looks down and he sees a giant man with a huge black beard and like a big horned helmet like a bull. He's carrying a giant like double half, like double sided axe. Nice. Yeah. Big boy. Big boy. Big boy. And he's like, oh, fuck. So um, he goes down and encounters this giant. His name is Isjubar. And he starts having a conversation with Isjubar. So Young was trying to go east to like the land of the rising sun to get like away from everything else that he already knew in the west. Yeah. And he's talking to Isjubar and Isjubar is like, where are you from? And Young's like, I'm from, I'm from the west. And Isjubar is like, oh, that's, that's the land of the sun. I'm chasing the sunset. Like I'm trying to go there. And Young's like, it's not the land of the sun. I'm just from uh, like Austria. I'm from Vienna. Like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's like, oh, tell me about your amazing land. And Young's like, oh, you know, we've got electricity, we've got cars. He starts telling Isjubar, this giant, about, like, modern society and science and modern technology. And Isjubar is poisoned by the word, uh, by by science, like, by knowledge of science and technology. Yeah, so he's, like, this huge imposing guy that he's, like, almost going to kill Young. But then Young starts telling him about the modern world, and it hurts him. And so he's, like, lamed and falls down. He's like... You're filling me with poison. You're filling me with poison. How can you do this? How can you live with this poison? And Young's like, well, we just got used to it. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's like, but living with the poison of science and technology has 
deadened our sense of magic and like the knowledge of the rest of the world. And it's mm-hmm. like, we can't see the things that you can see and that make you powerful because we're, we've created these things in the exterior world that give us power. So we've forgotten the inner world. Yeah. So he like there in this vision, there's like this sort of tension between the inner like magical world and the exterior, like scientific world. Mm-hmm. So he's there in front of this giant. He, the giant is lamed. Like he can't walk anymore. Young's like, I gotta figure out how to help him. Like he feels bad. <laughs> he's <laughs> he feels, a little science. Build him a wheelchair. He accidentally filled him with poison. No. Oh. He's like, how am I gonna help this giant out? This poor giant. And he he comes to the conclusion that he's got to pick up Isjubar and carry him to like go get some help. Carry him over to the western lands where he's trying to go to to give him some help. But he's like, how am I gonna be able to pick Isjubar up? And he's like, oh wait, this is a fucking dream. <laughs> oh, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. He's like, I could pick him up if he were light, but the only way he's going to be light, if I convince him that he is light, then he will become light. So then Young like tells Isjabar, like, look, you just got to believe that you're a fantasy and that you don't weigh anything, and then I'll be able to carry you and get you some help. <laughs> so Young has to like hold these opposites, like this big guy is super light in his mind in order to be able to like save the giant. He convinces the giant to believe that he's fake. So all of a sudden he doesn't weigh anything. Yeah. So then Young is able to pick him up and carry him. But he's also buoyant. Like he's floating like a balloon because he's, <laughs> since he doesn't like exist or he doesn't weigh anything, he's like floating. <laughs> so, he, he believed it too hard. I he guess. believed too hard. Yeah. Yeah. He's too light. So Young is able to get him some help. Yeah. So he kind of breaks that at that point. He kind of breaks it down a little bit where he's, he's like, he wandered East like a child looking for something new. And what he found was this giant, but that giant was himself. Oh. Yeah. It was himself. He, he didn't was, mention that. Well, it, I mean, he he realizes that after the fact, oh. that the giant is Young's inner god. Like, he's this inner powerful essence. And it was defeated by science and It was weakened and, and made or, lame by, like, the science and knowledge of the sort of modern world. And so he, he realizes he's got to... So that kind of puts Young in this point where he's like, okay, I got to figure out how to how to give birth to my own inner God and like bring that back about because he realizes that everything that he's learned and all this knowledge, remember in the first episode or second episode, I was telling you, he said like all the science in the world can't water the garden of the soul. I think I remember, remember that? saying that. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause he goes into his soul and his soul is a desert. Yeah. He's oh, basically yeah, yeah. having that same sort of realization. Like, okay, I have all this knowledge. I'm a scientist, but I need to, yeah, but I'm lacking desert. like this inner divinity and I need to like find a way to give birth to God in me. <laughs> it's a little trippy, yeah. but that's, that ends up being his next, his next order of business. So he says in, and he says that that was what all those visions were for. Like in order to birth the, the divinity, the God in yourself, you have to be able to bridge the opposites in yourself. You have to be able to hold these opposite ideas, these opposite knowledge and understanding at the same time in order to create this opportunity for the birth of your inner God in yourself. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have a little little this and a little that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that a, is that a good way to sum it up? Yeah, a little of this, a little of that. No, it's about... Um, strikes so and gutters. It, it, strikes and gutters, yeah, ups and downs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, okay, so it's it's more like if God is everything, right? If the God is like an all-powerful, all-everything God, then you can't just hold the image of God as like uh, this giant figure. Like, he's also the smallest thing. 
He's the biggest thing and the smallest thing. Uh He's full and he's empty. He's light and he's dark. Like, so if you're trying to awaken divinity in yourself, you have to acknowledge those different aspects of yourself together. If you put too much credence on one, you weaken the other, Mm -hmm. right? And if you're trying to be, if you're trying to like reawaken your inner self in some total, you can't like swing too far one way or the other. You got to have it all at once. And it's very difficult to do, right? Like trying to, I mean, just, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Trying to imagine a being that is everything and nothing at the same time is super difficult. But Jung is trying to like give himself a brain massage that (laughs) (laughs) changes his like state of being without doing drugs, without taking LSD. He's, you know, he's trying to see God without the shortcuts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So this is how you do it, apparently. Right. You got to find a giant and you got to turn him into a balloon. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm just another, everything that goes with that, everything that, <laughs> whatever goes with that. everything that leads up to that. Yeah. One thing to note too, about the red book, not all of the visions and experiences he had, he wrote down as textual narratives. Cause there's a lot of illustrations in the book as well. Uh-huh. So we also did these drawings of, of mandalas, mandalas, did I talk about this last no, time? No, no, I don't no. think I did. So he did these drawings of mandalas, and he was obsessed with the idea that mandalas appear in the artwork of all these different disparate cultures, mm-hmm. and that they're all part of this knowledge coming up from the collective unconscious that we have to go on an inner journey to find our inner god. You know the story of the Minotaur? I don't think so. It's like a, probably would it's like it a Greek story. Basically, there's this king and his wife has sex with a bull. You know, it's just Greek. Typical Greek stuff. Yeah, typical Greek stuff. And then their firstborn son has the head of a bull and the tail of a bull. And he, like, wants to kill everybody. Yeah. So they have this guy, Daedalus, build this whole maze. And the Minotaur lives in the middle of this maze. Anyway, oh. it's all this allegory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but And that's just a... That's he, a um, not a story that Young wrote, but it's a it's like no, a, no, that's a, a Greek yeah. Uh, myth. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's an example of the mandala or the maze archetype coming up in different societies. Right. Yeah. So Young felt like this maze coming up is all part of like people knowing that you have to go on this inner circuitous journey where you're like we're going back over the same thing but a little bit differently mm-hmm. to try and find this inner child god that you give birth to by participating in this quest which is also like a big theme in the show westworld did you ever watch that i didn't that's a really good show yeah but there's this oh man it's so good i didn't even <laughs> and i didn't realize it because i hadn't read any of this shit before i watched that show but it's <laughs> it like, is something i've been meaning to watch we should watch it the, yeah. it has to do with all this because basically these automatons the robots the ai yeah. that are in this like camp are starting to become like fully conscious yeah and like the whole concept of the show is that they don't know like some people are robots and they don't even know it. They think they're regular people. Yeah. There's some fun surprises like that, but there's this image, there's this image that keeps appearing in that show of the maze. Okay. And there's this, and the, what the maze, part of what the maze is, spoiler alert, everybody is the machines have to go on this circuitous journey to achieve consciousness and get out of their programming uh-huh. and like w- awaken their inner consciousness. Yeah. So it's like the same journey that young is talking about, but for the robots, for the AI yeah. to like achieve this next level of consciousness or this next level of divinity. And in that show, there's a human who's going into the park and like following the robots on the same journey and trying to 
like become a fucking new god. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, so, tangent. But yeah. <laughs> this theme pops up all over the place. So Young has a series, um, a few more visions. He gets, he has this crazy Inception like vision, where one of his visions. He's at a party at this people's house. He goes to the kitchen and falls asleep on a couch in the kitchen and then has a dream. This is in the dream. In the dream, he was at a party. In the dream, he's at a party and he falls asleep on a couch in the kitchen. (laughs) And then in the couch, in the dream, then he has a dream while sleeping on the couch in the kitchen. And it's, and it's anyway, it's another union of the opposites thing. He's trying to, he's trying to take these two opposites and and unite them in his mind so he can achieve this level of divinity. There's actually a gap here, like in the in the black books. Basically, while he's going through, he has all these visions about the union of the opposites, and this is in uh, July 1919. From July 1919 to February 1920, there's no journaling that happens, uh-huh. and during that time period, he writes the book Psychological Types. Okay. So he has all these visions about. Oh, that's like, the one we this, talked about. It is the one we talked about, <laughs> yeah. about, like this side or that side or this side or that side. And then oh. he writes a book, yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> like, is like thinking versus feeling, judging versus perceiving. Like, <laughs> nice. And then he writes that book. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. And then, yeah, because he had just also had the thing that we talked about with uh, Solomay and The first one, but then he, he goes through all these other, like, yeah, exactly. union the opposites thing, and he figures out, like, oh, judging and perceiving. Anyway, then he writes doctoral types. So, it, like, you can tell it's, like, just comes from all these visions that he had, and, like, yeah. trying to work them out, and just, like, I don't know, and just realizing that there's these opposite aspects of if nothing else of the human psyche yeah that he's seeing come up in himself and he's able to like turn that into a way to talk about and analyze other people and other people's psyche and other people's mind and a a tool to help people figure out why they are the way they are then the fantasies kind of begin again after february 1920 and at this point he is like just he's achieved sort of this state after having written psychological types where he knows and again i was saying the mandalas are one representation of his visions or epiphanies or realizations at this point in the book what he's drawing is representations of Yggdrasil, which is the norse tree of life uh-huh. right and so he's sort of achieved this similar standing as Yggdrasil. like the whole idea with Yggdrasil is that its roots are in the underworld its trunk comes up through Midgard, which is like our plane. Mm-hmm. And then it's like its canopy and its crown are like Asgard, like the celestial plane, like heaven. Mm-hmm. Right. But this one tree is able to span, you know, the the light yeah, in the from... dark heaven and hell. Yeah. And so using that sort of as a totem, Young has been able to sort of find this unification of the opposites in himself. Right. Okay. And so at this point, he's like sort of so. Remember, he had to learn sort of one lesson with Salome and Elijah to get to the yeah. next level. He kind of levels up at this point, right? And he's, yeah. he's able to go to the sort of next level. Uh-huh. So when you said he didn't write anything while he was writing the... Do you think he was still having visions? He just didn't write them down? Probably. Or, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't going through... I mean, I'm sure he was still having dreams and visions, but he wasn't doing like the psychological study of himself yeah. that he was more intensively doing up to that point. Yeah. He was just fucking around. So one of the other things, so he's got the images of Yggdrasil. He's got the images of, um, he's got this one drawing that's of the Philosopher's Stone, mm-hmm. like from Harry Potter. Yeah. He was I a mean, big J.K. Rowling fan. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but he actually, so alchemy was a thing at the time, and he, he actually abandons Libra Novus for a long time before he writes Scrutinies. Actually, 
Not before he wrote. Anyway, he abandons Libra Novus for a long time. Yeah. To pursue a career in alchemy. So he anyway. So anyway, so he's kind of familiar with alchemy and the idea of the philosopher's stone as a thing in alchemy. It can yeah. Transmute lead into gold and prolong natural life. Blah blah blah. That's like a thing in yeah. the culture. So he has this drawing of the philosopher's stone. His interpretation of the philosopher's stone is that it's a representation of self. Mm-hmm. And so when you're looking for a stone in your dreams or you're looking for this like shining stone in your subconscious, you're trying to find your true self. Yeah. Okay. So he's got this image of the stone and then he's got the image of the back of the stone. If the stone is the self, then the back of the stone is like the shadow self. So he's got this or the, the hidden self. Hmm. Right. And so he's got this. This. um sort of mythos because he's got like this this picture of the stone the back of the stone and then he's got sort of a, a write-up about it and what he says is that the shadow of creation split into two i like had two sons so to speak one named ka and one named philemon philemon is, is given the stone and basically creates the idea of the gods and of things right so this Philemon is a character in general mythology. Like Philemon, it, Philemon is a name from the Bible, but this interpretation of Ka and Philemon are Young's alone. Okay. So he's making this up. He's okay, making yeah. up a whole. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard to tell, like, because he's, he's got he like uses, so many different. He pulls characters from mythology. He pulls characters yeah. from the Bible, but they're all experienced by him in his subconscious. Uh-huh. As their own thing. So yeah. though they have the names of real people from elsewhere, yeah. his interpretation is what he believes is the truest interpretation. Yeah. Like the actual interpretation of these characters. So in this sort of story that he runs down that goes with this image of the Philosopher's Stone, um, there's like the the dark sort of creator god makes these has these two sons, Philemon and Ka. Philemon then is able to create the idea of the gods. Ka makes them real but in making something real and concrete you remove it loses some of its divinity totally yeah right Uh, yeah so it's like in that way so what he how he equates that to our world is that god the idea of god god as divinity is real but by consecrating god in church Mm -hmm. you're killing god and the more powerful this physical manifestation of god and divinity becomes The weaker God is. Yeah. He he says. Almost kind of by defining it. By defining it, yeah. you weaken it. That makes by, sense. Yeah. yeah. By bounding it. Yeah. You destroy it. You're kind of limiting its, its exactly. ability. Like you it's, limit uh, the potency by yeah. making it real. It's it's a trippy, but it kind of makes sense. Yeah, totally. It's like and he so he calls the church the gravestone of God. <laughs> yeah. Like the church is killing God by being the church. <laughs> yeah. So that that kind of shows you how he feels about Catholicism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he calls to so he's back into his fantasy world. He calls to his soul. And he says, "Hey, like I need to figure out what to do next, like how to get to the next level." Basically, Her, his soul uh, splits itself into three shapes: like the regular soul shape, a bird, and a serpent. The okay. bird is able to go and talk to the celestial beings in the collective unconscious. And the serpent is able to go talk to the earthly beings in the collective unconscious. Uh-huh. She goes out, talks to them all, comes back to him and says, you know what? In order to get to the next step, you need to learn magic. So you're going to have to go to Philemon. You're going to have to go to Hogwarts. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to go to Philemon and you're going to have to get him to teach you magic because he's a magician. Right. Uh-huh. Philemon is this guy that created the gods, right? And mm-hmm. made him stone. So this is why I wanted to introduce Philemon a little yeah. bit. 
Because at this point, Young knew who Philemon was. So he goes in his subconscious and finds Philemon living with his wife in this hut. And he asks Philemon to teach him magic. Philemon and him have this whole interchange where he's like, Young, magic can't be taught. And Young's like, bullshit, Philemon. <laughs> Give me the juice. Like, <laughs> Tell me what's going on here. And Philemon says, this is a quote, magic is precisely that which eludes comprehension. Mm. You can't no magic you can't teach magic magic is in the unknowing in just, the not feeling you just gotta kind of yeah, get it you just kind of experience it and you it just kind of experience and it comes out of you shit that makes happen that makes sense it yeah. doesn't make sense right it's like, like a, if you if you try to it's the same thing as like the god part if you try to harness it if you try to uh, define it if you try to know it it slips through your fingers yeah you can't you can't hold magic you just have to let it flow yeah. man it's got to be the Just, riverbed. Yeah. But so as I'm reading this, <laughs> I have this realization because this whole book is incredibly difficult to understand. <laughs> yeah. You can't understand it. The conversations that he's having make no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah. You read, like I'll read a sentence. It doesn't make any sense. So I'm like, all right, maybe if I read the next sentence, it'll give it some context. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. when you read a book, this and happens. Then reread it. Then, yeah. And then yeah. You, I'll read three sentences down. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. I'm going to have to go back and read that first <laughs> yeah. sentence again. Read the first sentence again. Read the second. Read the whole paragraph. See if it makes sense in context. No, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But it puts your mind in this state of like where you're seeking understanding, but not getting it. Yeah. And I realized when I finally read this part where Philemon is describing magic yeah. to Young that that's what young was trying to get you to do. Like, the harder you try to understand it, the harder it's going to be for you to get to the point right. where you understand it. There's not like an aha yeah. moment. The point is to be in this state of experience yeah. where you're like wondering and you're in this sort of tension and torn and like grinding of your muscular gears. And you're not like, going to get it. And that's the point. You're not going to get it. And that's the point. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to figure it out. There's never going to be an aha moment. You're, yeah. you're supposed to live the question. You're supposed to just be in the experience i actually called you when i figured this out because i was like oh my god i just figured it out the message isn't the message like the words yeah that's aren't not what he's trying to communicate to you it's the experience that you have from reading the words in tension with yourself that gives you the message like yeah. you have to have that experience and look at it and that's that's the message, not the words themselves, <laughs> yeah. the experience you get from reading them. Oh, so like the, the message you get from the book isn't necessarily the message that he wanted you to get, but it's just to send you on a journey, your journey of whatever happens with all these words. Exactly. <laughs> the, the message from the book is to put you in a weird, fucked up state of mind mm. and you bring yourself to that fucked up experience or that not fucked up experience. Yeah. He puts you in like a, an experiential state. And you bring yourself to that state and the product of the meeting of the self that you bring and the state that he creates is the message. <laughs> <laughs> Just the state of confusion that he induces. Yeah, he induces a state of confusion. Or you I guess bring... confusion is not the right word. Just like. Con confundity. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're in a state of confundity. Confabulousness. <laughs> yeah. Confabulation. Yeah. Colorado. And, yeah, state of Colorado. In Crestone, Colorado. And you bring yourself to that place and then the product of that meeting is the message is whatever experience you have not the same experience he had but it's an experience and yeah you have to do it yourself yeah he says at the very beginning i can't explain it to you 
explaining is the enemy of understanding. It kills it. It kills it. He said, how many scientists out there are murderers? He said this in the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. And I, it like took me reading three quarters of the book to, to realize that I wasn't supposed to understand an explanation. You're not supposed to make a podcast no. that explains the book to everybody. <laughs> no. <And> I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have to just experience it. And then from engaging in that experience, then you get the message, right? And, yeah. it, and it's like, it's the same sort of process he's going through, right? Where he's trying to unite these opposites and live in this sort of limbo in his mind mm-hmm. in order to give birth to this other divinity. You sort of have to do the same thing reading the book. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> Seriously, at some points reading this book, I felt nauseous. Yeah. Because it puts you in such a like limbo state and you just want to figure it out. You yeah. just want to figure it out and you can't fucking figure it out. <laughs> so anyway... When Philemon gives this explanation about magic, I realized like that's what that it's the same thing like when you're looking at a piece of art, right? Like it gives you an experience and then you analyze it, right? Yeah. Same thing like with ritual magic. There's a I mean, I don't know that much about ritual magic, but yeah. my assumption is <laughs> like you have to sort of prime yourself for the experience mm-hmm. and go through whatever ritual you have to go to cleanse yourself yeah. and make sure you're approaching with some sort of pureness of spirit. And then you go through a series of incantations or drawings or candle lightings or whatever Mm -hmm. to create this experience. But if you don't bring the pureness of self to this prescribed experience the right way, you're not going to get the end result that you want. If you go in just like, all right, I'm going to do this and this is going to happen. Same thing. Young had to go through a cleansing of the self first in the wasteland, in the desert with Salome and Elijah. And then go through this whole union of the opposites, like large magic spell prescription that created this other experience. <laughs> so he has a pureness of self, this curated experience. There's a lot of really good hand motions going on. I right know. Now. And then he, he, as <laughs> where those two things sort of meet is how you make this third product, this yeah. third, you know, that's how you birth the divine God in yourself. Yeah. Just like that, guys. Right. It's so easy to understand. <laughs> <It's> easy. <laughs> Okay, so anyway, Young encounters Philemon, has this understanding of magic, mm-hmm. right? And so he gains magic from Philemon in the form of a black steel rod. It's like a staff, a wizard yeah, staff, yeah. and a, a suit of chainmail. Right. So now he's walking around the fucking realm of the unconscious, wielding magic with his black staff and chainmail. Dude, he's a total nerd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's LARPing. He's LARPing he's a, in his own his... subconscious. Is it covered in foam? Yeah. So he doesn't actually accidentally hurt his brother. LARPing. He, so he's walking. He's able to walk around this sort of desert of the subconscious and confidence now that he has these tools that he's been given, which reminds me of the gateway tapes. Because where I'm at in them right now, I've learned like three or four skills that the guy who put the gateway tapes together, uh, like the last one I just learned is like how to make this sort of sphere around you and this like basically suit of armor okay. that you wear that keeps yourself intact while you're remote and keeps viewing other spirits like out of your <laughs> sphere yeah while you're out there remote viewing and astral doing, projecting yeah astral projecting so before you do any astral projecting or anything like that you got to figure out how to a like a protective bubble yeah so you, you make a protective bubble around yourself and you encase your Self in a this sort of suit of golden armor for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um, oh, you made that, it nice and shiny. Yeah, it's all gold. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're the golden beetle. I'm the golden beetle. Yeah. yeah. And That's then right. it keeps you... Go back uh, and listen to the Gateway Tapes episode. 
Yeah, I think heard. it was the one before this one. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh, I'll get more into my own gateway wanderings. But this part, I was like, oh, Young did this, went through, got to a similar place in his exploration where he needed to have some protective equipment in order to go on. Yeah. So the next shit. The next shit. The next shit is about to get real, dude. <sighs> Young's about to do some stuff. That is pretty crazy. <laughs> anyway, so Young has asked a soul for help. She said, you got to go to this magician and, and figure out magic before you can go further. So he's got magic. He goes, he's got magic, which in this case is his like black rod. And just a little thing that it was a black serpent. It turned into a piece of okay. a metal rod that he yeah. now carries as like a staff. And he's got a black secret suit snake. of armor. Yeah, a secret snake. So he goes back to talk to his soul. And before he gets there, he's got to go through like a field of snakes. But he's like, but I'm, he's like, he's like leveled up, dude. He's like, but I <laughs> am a boss in the world of the underworld. And so I just smashed them and killed them like, <laughs> and crushed them with my staff. Like, I don't he, care about no It's like snakes. no big deal. These things that like, cause remember in like the first, uh, fantasy with Elijah and Salome, there's like those two giant serpents oh, yeah, wrestling were, yeah. and like, he's kind of t- terrified of them. And now yeah. he's just like walking through fields of snakes, like no big deal. Yeah. But when he finds his soul, she's taking on the form of a serpent as well. Oh, what's she doing now? And she's like sort of this final gatekeeper. Like, are you really ready to like do this next step? Which is, which is to birth divinity out of yourself. And he's like, yeah, I'm fucking ready. <laughs> you fucking know I'm you ready. You fucking know why I've been wandering around in my subconscious for five years or whatever. It's been. <laughs> yeah. She's like, are you Minus sure? a couple months where he She's like, that. are you fucking sure? And he's like, yeah, I'm fucking sure. And then she goes to bites him right on the heart. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. But she strikes him on the heart, not knowing he's got his fucking shoe, oh, chain mail underneath. Under shirt. And she okay. breaks one of her fangs oh, off. Damn. And then she's like trying to hide it from him. Like, okay, I guess you're ready. <laughs> Ew, I need to go to the dentist yeah. now. So then she like begins. She He's like, okay, now call call up from the depths what you need to call up. Like, we're doing it. It's ready. We're, we're doing it. And she's like, okay. So, like, from the depths of his unconscious <laughs> or the collective unconscious, first, like, the the golden throne of God, like, floats up. Oh. And this is going from, like, the collective unconscious, like, into, like, the celestial part of his unconscious. I don't really know. <laughs> but he's he's birthing divinity. This is it. Yeah. It's happening, right? So, first, it's the or golden. Or so he thinks. Or so he believes, yes. First, it's the golden throne of God, right? Floats up. Then the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, float up. Right, and then Satan oh, is getting comes. dragged out of the underworld, and pulled devil. up. Yeah, pulled up, and on his way, getting pulled up, he's yelling at Young. He's like, "Stop, stop! You're you partying need- too hard." Yeah, he's like, "You need to stop this whole union of the opposites thing. You're gonna make the world super fucking boring, bro." <laughs> and he's like, "Wait, wait, wait! What are you talking about?" And Satan's like, "Look, dude, if you if you unite all the opposites, you're gonna put everything in this ordered state. Order is death." <laughs> You need to have a little chaos. Yeah. You need to have things be a little fucked Shake up. Shake it up, man. Or it's all you're. He's like you're destroying the universe, young. <laughs> you're gonna destroy the fucking universe if you you're do in this. A world of pain. You need to stop. Yeah. You need to stop. And young actually has some sort of second uh, second thoughts. He's like, "Am I destroying my inner universe by uniting the opposites and ordering everything into one thing? Is that like he understands this tension between?" God and the devil isn't just a tension between good and evil, but also a tension between order and chaos. And the devil says to Young, like, 
Chaos is the, the movement of the world, the lungs of the world. The seas wouldn't flow without chaos. Mm. The wind wouldn't blow without chaos. Yeah. There wouldn't be seasons without chaos. If everything were ordered, everything would be dead. Yeah, nothing would change. Nothing would improve. Nothing without would be... any change, there is no life, yeah. bro. Bro. Bro, young. Waves. I am life. You need waves. You need waves. You need we me, about waves. You go back and listen to, to make our waves. <laughs> waves episode. <laughs> we're going to do a waves episode. We're going to do a whole episode on waves. Young kind of pauses on that for a second. Then he goes through this other fantasy where there's these like weird demons that are represented by roots of like a tree in his soul. And they he has to ha- convince them to give him a sword so he can cut them off of his soul and like free the devil's influence. Right. From his soul. And this is kind of unrelated to this. No, I this, mean, it's just like yeah. a side quest while he's <laughs> yeah. birthing the divinity in yeah. himself, right? <laughs> yeah. It, but it's it's how he has to, like, undo the influence of Satan. It's all very confusing. I'll just say that. All right. But then he's uh, and he, he's able to maintain, like, what he wants from Satan while still sending Satan up into the, into the thing yeah. by cutting these roots. Anyway... He does it. <laughs> yeah. And he's able to birth uh, a god version of himself in his self. Oh. Yeah. So he's able to be both the, like, he plays the role of Christ, and then he plays the role of, like, the Virgin Mary, and he's able to birth, like, a new Christ. So he kind of, he started that process of birthing God, and then the devil was like, wait, 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 hold on a second. So he thought about it for a second, but then he just did it anyway. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, well, the whole thing is like this. I mean, again, these are still the visions part, like in Liber Segundus. Yeah. So even when I was reading it, I'm like, well, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> but in Scrutinies, which we're about to get to, Young gives us a little breakdown in this last part, okay. which is the most confusing part. He will explain to us at the very end of Scrutinies. Stay tuned, because we're about to answer these questions. How? It, what is this whole birthing a new god in yourself? I don't know. Anyway, <clears throat> so Jung goes through this experience. He's able to birth a divine god in himself. Great. But in his real life, after this vision, where he sort of accomplishes this birth, they start to have poltergeist experiences in their home. Oh, yeah? Yeah, this is when it happens. Nice. So they're all sitting in their house one night and the doorbell rings and there's nobody fucking there. That's just some punk kids. Man. Yeah, yeah, but it keeps happening. Oh, and like shit. standard poltergeist stuff too, like heavy breathing in the walls. That's just some punk Weird kids, sounds, <laughs> cupboards opening and closing on their own. And he also describes like, he describes the house as like this claustrophobic closeness. Like it's full, huh. full of spirits. Full of the spirits of the dead. They probably got right? there by he getting too crazy in the spirit he world. He opened man. some shit up, yeah. and then all this like the dead are crowding around him, and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to do. So they're like plagued by this experience for like five days or something, and then all of a sudden, over the next over, he has this like epiphany, and then writes this book called the Seven Sermons for the Dead. Over the course of three days, he just writes this whole book. Yeah, the heavy metal album. Yes, <laughs> the Seven Sermons for the Dead. What this book is, is the last chapter of uh, Libra Novus, and it's Philemon, the magician, and Young speaking to this cr- this crowd of the dead. So, like, we'll just get into it right now. So, the dead... This is Scrutinies. This is Scrutinies, so which is also Seven Sermons. You said he released it. Yeah, so he wrote Seven Sermons for the Dead and published it as Seven Sermons for the Dead, a separate work from Libra Novus. Okay. In Libra Novus, it's called scrutinies okay but it's the same thing 
They didn't know this until Liber Novus came out in like 2003 or whatever. And they're like, oh, this is Seven Sermons for the Dead. And he, he published it under a different name, right? Yes, he did. He published it under the name Basilides or something, which is like one of the prophets of the Bible. Like okay. it's not even yeah. a person. <laughs> nice. <laughs> he just like secretly published it basically. But he, as soon as he wrote this book, the poltergeist stuff went away. Oh, nice. Like he, he straight up. it right out. Yeah, he did. This he went through this crazy inner experience. The spirits of the dead started hounding him for answers, <laughs> and he had to write basically the what this is is a recap of he his whole solve it. He solved. He had to solve the problem. Yeah. yeah, he opened all this shit up and didn't like solve it. So <clears throat> the seven sermons for the dead begin like this: the dead show up and they're asking Philemon, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, what is all this shit? You open this can of worms. Explain it to us, right?" Sermon one, Philemon explains that. What the universe is comes from this base fabric of nothingness. And what we're going to call that is the Pleroma. Okay? Okay. <laughs> and the whole purpose and what what we do as men, what our job is, what your job was, all you dead souls, what life is, the whole point of life, is to achieve differentiation of the Pleroma into different attributes. The Pleroma is nothing. But if you achieve differentiation into attributes, you create life. These attributes are expressed in the form of opposites, such as effective versus ineffective, fullness versus emptiness, living versus dead, differentness versus sameness, <laughs> light versus dark, hot versus cold, force versus oh, matter. Yeah, I think I learned this in my preschool. Yeah. No, time second grade. Oh, time versus space. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Good versus evil, ugly versus beauty, uh-huh. oneness versus manyness. So basically, sermon one is young or Philemon explaining to the dead like life is experience of of opposites of these expressions of attributes that are there's a duality of nature to each of these sort of thing, but all of these attributes are on these spectrums, right? Yeah. Good versus evil, yeah, time yeah. versus space, matter versus waves. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and so the dead are like, they leave grumbling, like, okay, all right. <laughs> that was a shitty sermon. Yeah. We'll come back tomorrow for the next sermon. They come back on the next night and they say, wait, 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 wait. If there's nothing but the Pleroma and there's nothing but the Pleroma and then differentiations from the Pleroma, then where is God? Who is God? You owe us a second sermon. Exactly. This is the second sermon to the oh, dead. Oh, let's hear it. So the dead ask Philemon, where is God? Is God dead? And he says, no, God is not dead. God is just another quality of differentiation from the Pleroma. And God is an expression on a spectrum just like everything else. On one end of that spectrum of differentiation is God. On the other end is Satan. Oh. All right. And if you figure out where God lies on each spectrum, you kill God by defining him. Mm-hmm. God oh, cool. is Helios. God is the sun. God is creation. God is fullness. Satan is Satan is death. Cigarettes. Satan is emptiness. Alcohol. Satan is nicotine. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Rock and roll. But above both God and Satan is another God, Ooh. and his name is Abraxas. Abraxas. Oh, Abraxas is the spirit of effect. Effect or effect. 
How do you spell it? Effect with an E. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so Abraxas is the opposite end of the spectrum of the Pleroma, which is just like nothing. Abraxas so is the spirit something. of differentiation. Yeah. It's like something <laughs> versus nothing. <laughs> yeah. And every so Abraxas is first. Abraxas is like effect. Abraxas is like the Big Bang. Okay. If there's nothing and then there's something, yeah. that something is Abraxas. That is the god of anything of something of effect yeah. right but held within abraxis is are all of these opposites because everything that exists or doesn't exist or has any of these qualities has to be held in this differentiation from the pleroma that is abraxis that's why in order to like birth abraxis in yourself which is the sum total of divinity you have to be able to hold all these opposites because abraxis holds all these opposites uh, okay right? So Braxis is the one God, (laughs) the one God above God and Satan, right? There's a bigger God. So anyway, the the dead go away and they're like, okay, whatever. All right. We'll be back tomorrow for sermon number three. So they come back tomorrow for sermon number three and they're like, okay, (laughs) tell us about Abraxas. You're saying there's a God above God who's not God. Sometimes there's a God. (laughs) And they're like, you better tell us about Abraxas. So he says, all right, I'll tell you about Abraxas. Let's the, hear about the power of Abraxas is twofold, but you do not see it because in your eyes the warring opposites of this power are canceled out. What the sun god speaks is life, what the devil speaks is death, but Abraxas speaks that hallowed and accursed word that is at once life and death. Abraxas produces truth and lying, good and evil, light and darkness in the same word and in the same act. Therefore, Abraxas is terrible. He is as splendid as a lion in the instant he strikes down his victim. He is as beautiful as a spring day. He is the great and the small. He he is the monster of the underworld, a thousand-armed polyp. He is the lord of toads and frogs, which live in the water and go up on the land, whose chorus ascends at noon and at midnight. He is the fullness that seeks union with emptiness. He is holy begetting. He is love and its murder. He is the saint and his betrayer. He is the brightest light of day and the darkest night of madness. To look upon him is blindness. To recognize him is sickness. (laughs) To worship him is death. To fear him is wisdom. Not to resist him is redemption. (laughs) Whatever the fuck that means. Whatever the fuck that means. That was my next question, actually. God dwells behind the sun, the devil behind the night. What God brings forth out of the light, the devil sucks into the night. But Abraxas is the world. It's becoming and it's passing. Upon every gift that comes from the sun god, the devil lays his curse. Everything that you request from the sun god produces a deed from the devil. Everything you create with the sun god gives effect to the devil. That is Abraxas. So anyway, that's Abraxas. All right. Cool. Good to meet you, Abraxas. Yeah. So the dead are like, okay. All right. Maybe we'll come back tomorrow for sermon number four. Anyway, so the dead leave and they come back the next day because they're like, we're still not satisfied. Explain to us a little bit more what's going on here. All right. And so Philemon says, okay, let me me tell you. I'm going to lay it out for you here. There are four gods. There's Well, there's Abraxas above all the gods. He's number three. He's number one. He's number zero. Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> I thought God was a God. No, no, no. Abraxas, Abraxas is above all gods. He's not yeah. even a God. Yeah, he's one. And then there's God and then there's the devil who's three. No. 
<laughs> four others. There's Abraxas is zero, yeah. right? Okay. Because Abraxas is just isning. He's like the Big Bang. Like without yeah. him, you can't talk about time and space. You can't talk about force and matter. He is the universe. He is the beginning. He is he is something coming from nothing, right? Then there's God, the Sun God, Helios, the God of the Bible, God, God, right? Yeah. The second God is Eros. Eros binds the two together and spreads himself out as light and brightness. Eros, love, right? Creation. Basically, there's like, well, the third one is the tree of life. He fills the space between the sun god and the devil. The fourth is the devil, right? So there's Abraxas, which is like anything existing. Yeah. Then there's God. Then there's the devil. But in between the god and the devil is the hot fire of Eros. Yeah, which is... And the, like... Basically po- experience. Yeah. Love, experience, things happening. Yeah, like, yeah. just the... And then there's the tree of life, which is, like, That's matter. That's, like, the firmament. You can almost think about Eros and the tree of life as matter and energy. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Energy kind of meaning, like, thoughts and, like, feelings and... Yeah, movement and action. Like, yeah, thoughts, feelings, experiences, and then yeah. there's matter, which is, like... Just like co- what growing things the physical fact. yeah so like remember yeah. that earlier thing we were talking about like sort of filament versus ka uh-huh. that's like that's this other dimension but he describes it as the two gods there's eros and the tree of life yeah which are the two gods between god and satan god is creation and then there's these aspects of creation energy versus matter and then there's satan which is destruction like a black hole yeah everything going away emptiness he dissolves, this is about the devil, he dissolves everything formed and physical. He is the destroyer in whom everything becomes nothing. All right. So there's like creation god, qualities of anything that's created, yeah. gods, two of them, and then destruction. Yeah, there's the beginning, middle, and end. Yep. So that's the pantheon that Philemon describes to the dead. And they're like, oh, okay. And yeah, so okay. they leave. <laughs> yeah. Then they come back. <laughs> Day five. Day five. This is the fifth sermon to the dead. And uh, the dead are just like, all right, we'll break it down a little bit more for us, Philemon, would you? And he's like, yes, I will. There's two daemon or greater spirits, right? There's this celestial spirit, which is, we call her the the celestial mother spirit, which is spirituality, which embraces everything and is good. And then there's the great father spirit, sexuality which is uh, a creative energy but is more like serpentine and more physical and dirty so there's like spirituality and sexuality and these are like two spirits of of the living they're like demigods (laughs) they're not gods (laughs) but they're like aspects within this sort of pantheon Philemon here is describing a whole new pantheon right? of gods. He's making up a new one. Making up a new one. So they come back the next day, and they're like, all right, tell us more about about the world, this new shit. And Philemon says, okay, well, the sexuality spirit you'll see expressed as a serpent. And the spirituality spirit, the celestial mother, you'll see expressed as a white bird. But in all men are this serpent and this white bird, and each aspect wants to be like the other, and there's sort of this tension and balance between the two, like a yin-yang sign. So then they're like, okay, (laughs) the dead leaf. And Young turns to Philemon 
He's like, what is the point of all this? What are you doing here? And as he's talking to Philemon, as he's asking these questions, Philemon takes on the visage of Young himself. Mm-hmm. And Young is Philemon. And Philemon is Young. And Young's mm-hmm. been Philemon the whole fucking oh, time. Okay, he's okay. like, holy shit. And on the seventh night, the dead come back. And they ask Philemon Young. Because now they're like one yeah, person. Yeah. What about man? What's man's role in all this? And Philemon says to the dead, man is a gateway. Man is the gateway for all of time and all of the gods to find their way through into the actual world. It's a chance for the universe to experience itself for a little while. It's the chance for, well, and the gods are reborn through, they're all crushing through this gateway of humanity to like participate in the world at large and to be reborn again. You have to understand something. There's the universe and then there's the universe inside each and every man. And the gods that exist in the universe at large can also exist and be reborn in each and every man. Yeah. So the gods are all like trying to be birthed through this gateway of humanity yeah. if and experience just, the world again. If they're just gods, then they're not, they have to be experienced. So like they need yeah. to create the humans to be a portal have to have the experience. Uh, yeah. Because if they're just gods hanging themselves. out, yeah. they're just, uh, they got to have a gateway. Yeah, man, Philemon's last words to the dead, the seventh sermon, is that man exists as a gateway for time and for the gods. Crazy. Isn't that a trip? So that's kind of where uh, Jung's collective unconscious idea comes from then. Oh, yeah, right? totally. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I mean, there's all this like greater universe and greater unconscious yeah. that we all get to like a little piece of. Yeah, you're just a little window out of it or whatever. So that's kind of what he's describing. Yeah, sort of. I mean, it's more the way I think about it, like. You know, fractals. Yeah. Endlessly repeating patterns, mm-hmm. smaller and smaller and smaller. Or bigger and bigger and bigger. Or bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Like yeah. the entirety of creation and the entirety of the universe is inside of you the same. You are made of stars. You don't know it, <laughs> but you are made of stars. <laughs> it's exactly like that. Yeah. 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 And like the weird, this tiny little point in a universe that is inside this greater entity and so on and so forth, bigger and smaller in both directions. Yeah. Like every atom inside of us is a universe. Some other people are experiencing fucking people are inside me making a little podcast and trying <laughs> to experience God. And I'm just here not even knowing they're there. Part of know? another atom that is uh, in a universe that is an atom. But we're all just like and this, somebody else this, made a podcast. We're like, we're like lightning rods. Like we're, we're like this conductive point for creation to exist through. You know what I mean? And like men are just a channel, just a gateway. Humanity is just like a, a, a gateway for this experience to perpetuate itself. Mm-hmm. Like we're a keystone. Like it doesn't happen without consciousness. Yeah. Like we are this conduit for the expression of this piece of the self of the universe. Yeah. Cause if the universe was just a bunch of rocks flying around or whatever energy, then it would just be that. But like it, for us being here, experiencing it, just this little tiny bit of it, it's just a way for the universe to experience itself. Yeah. A it, little window. We're this self expression of the consciousness of the universe. Yeah. And we are recreating the universe inside of ourselves all the time. Yeah. According to Jung. It's very trippy. dude. So do you think when Jung was writing that seven sermon, to the dead do you think he thought that he was writing like a new bible and starting a new religion (laughs) no that's the thing about young like he wrote that and he put it out there but he 
Did he expect it to just take off? Everybody's like, wow, this new... No, I, he yeah. needed to do it to stop the possession of his house. <laughs> yeah. He had to write it for the dead uh-huh. that were inhabiting his literal house right then. Yeah. And until he wrote it, they wouldn't go away. But he had to put down his experience into words and publish it in order for the dead to give him some peace. And I, I don't know. Maybe he did think that people would read it and kind of start to maybe follow Basilides in the same way, like because that was who he wrote it as. He probably, there was probably a bit of them that was like, hmm, maybe this will get famous and people start <laughs> following the religion of Braxis. But I, I think at least how he went about his life was, and what he says at the beginning of Libra Novus is like, you can't follow me on the same path. Like, this is where I ended up through this journey. You're probably not going to fa- see it the exact same way. But like, here's how I did this self journey in myself. Yeah. Here it is. Huh. And Because the whole point of that pantheon isn't like to create a church of Abraxas. It's to know that like this pantheon of gods and all of these spirits and all of that is occurring within you. Like you don't need anything external to to, to view your internal mm. universe. Yeah, and and even to if experience you, your the gods that are alive and yeah. acting in and through you. And even if there are different gods in you than the ones in him, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, but but they're there, and there's this like pantheon of divinity and expression of the celestial experience inside each and every person. Yeah, like you don't need church. In fact, if you consecrate it in a church, you kill it. Like, that's the opposite of like, the real divinity. Like, the the understanding and the trying to put borders on it, you lose it. it it's not yeah. there. It goes through your fingers. You can't squeeze it like that. You just have to feel it and live it and be it. Uh, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Like, yeah, you're, you're if you go to church and get told by some guy what God is, who the guy's reading out of the Bible, yeah, you're just getting the version of God that whoever wrote the Bible wrote. Right. And instead of engaging in this process of yeah. divine self-discovery that Jung went down yeah. and found his God. Yeah. Like he wants everyone he wants everyone to know that you can do that for yourself. Yeah. You can only do that for yourself. Yeah, it won't necessarily be the same gods he found, but he's just kind of no. like these are the gods I found. Yeah, this is what happened when I looked deep and hard into my subconscious. I found the fucking root of the universe (laughs) and all of the gods thereafter and like understood a new order and description of all that is space, time, matter, everything. Yeah. Like it all like blew up for him. This, this whole new ordering of the universe in himself. Yeah. And he knew that it was all like real and divine and true. And he knew that anyone can do that. It's all inside of you. It's inside all of us. We're, we're here to do that. Like we're here to be this gateway and this, the conduit for experience and this viewport onto the world for our own personal gods that are a piece of the greater God. Yeah. <sighs> far and out. Just breathe for like 45 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> yeah. It's far out, dude. It's a trip. And I don't even know if I'm really getting the point the right way. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But like, yeah, who the fuck knows? some other people have probably broken this down. And if you figured out the red book, send us an email at beautiful animals podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, I'd love to hear your three part. <laughs> yeah. Go read the fucking down. thing. And yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's dense. Yeah. And, but I really do think that the point isn't to like dissect every yeah. sentence and understand every word. It's to like engage in this sort of experience with young while he does it, mm-hmm. you know, like he's really just laying out his dreams and his fantasies and he's just as confused as you are. And he's just trying to break it down. And yeah. the more confused you are while you read it, the better. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what to all of our confused listeners out there. Yeah. I'm just trying to right. put you in the same yeah. boat 
I'm yeah. just trying to keep your mind limber. <laughs> just <Yeah>. stay tuned. <clears throat> Listen. Figure well, it that's out. it. That's Libra Novus. Yeah, that about wraps it up. That wraps it up. Thank you guys nice. so much for listening. Yeah. I want to keep talking to you about this, so we might have a little bonus content right, after right, the yeah. episode. Yeah, but we need to get into a little gateway tapes, too, I think. Uh, yeah, but for now, let's just wrap it up. Let's right. just do a fortune cookie and uh-huh. say goodbye to our people just out there. Just finished my Chinese takeout here. Just, uh, yeah. Uh, just uh, get that app open again. It always takes me a minute to get the fucking thing open. Cause it's because you're never prepared. Because <laughs> it's just too many fucking ads. And that's the problem, I guess, with getting. We should just go buy a bag of fortune cookies. Because oh, that is a way better idea. Because <laughs> yeah, the, the app is Why just like. Why do we have a fortune cookie app? <laughs> So we have to have the fake. Oh my god! Took us this many episodes to realize, like, just buy a fucking bag of fortune. And also, you know what? There's a little hidden bonus there. We get to fucking eat a fortune. (laughs) Yeah, I crunch on them while we're talking. I don't know why I said we. I get to eat a fortune cookie, and you get to listen to it. Anyway, oh yeah. The only people who never fail are those who never try. Dude, that's a perfect one for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, man. What was Young doing? He was fucking around and finding yeah. out, dude. He was trying. Man, he really did fuck around and find he out. He fucked dude. all oh the way around. God, he yeah. found all the way out. He, he's the he's the OG. Yeah, he's founded this podcast. Yeah. I mean, other people <laughs> fucked around and found no, out for I know. him. He just he just it's just he's one. the first one to not even definitely he's not, not even the first one. He's just one of the ones who wrote it down. He's the first one we read on yeah. the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but no, uh, yeah, the only ones available are the ones that don't try. That you know what that is? It's talking about Abraxas right there. Yeah. Because Abraxas is the spirit of effect, right? Without trying, without the Big Bang, you got nothing. Yeah, you got nothing. So you got to try. You got to get out there and do it. The only real failure is not doing anything at all. Yeah. Just uh, I feel like that's been one of the subjects of one of our other fortune cookies, but I circle back to that all the time. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the fortune cookies are the same. That's why our analysis of them all the, the same. fortunes are the same, dude. Everything yeah. is Abraxas. <laughs> anyway guys thank you so much for listening we really yeah. appreciate it uh we know it's been a long road with young believe me it was longer yeah. for me i'm glad to have wrapped it up and me too and it was I think uh, it wrapped up nicely in a little bow i love that it little... brought came back to the gateway yeah because now and now let's I... go ahead and listen to the next the bonus episode that's gonna be attached with this one because i'm gonna explain where i'm at in the gateway experience but anyway thank you so much for listening uh go out there try live your fucking lives go juice it also, maybe have a little bit of water. Maybe get hydrated. Drink some water. Hydrate or die. The human body's seventy percent water. I try and keep it around eighty, eighty-nine. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> dead. Gonna die. Anyway, thanks, guys. Alrighty, have a good night. Later. Good afternoon. Good portion of the day. Shut the fuck up. Okay. <laughs>